Greetings and happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks, and it is the 14th day of May. Hope you all had a really nice uh, Mother's Day weekend uh, with your your spouses or your parents or your mom, uh, whatever it might be for you. Um, heads up as well, I've been over, obviously, at Chargers, uh, rookie camps, OTAs. Make sure to follow me on Instagram on my stories and you guys will be privy to practices and interviews and podium stuff. Uh, and then obviously, uh, go check the blog as well. Cause I do daily, I'll do a bunch of pieces as well, uh, on there, uh, both from the show and then also out and about at events and at chargers training camp or Char- chargers training facility. Uh, and it's at Desiree underscore Astorga and at the Desiree show on IG. Anyways, uh, Chargers uh, potentially have five fighting Irish on the roster. And uh, Coach Stewart, I think there might be Saturday Mass at uh, in Costa Mesa. Uh, that are some Irish stews. I'm happy to share that a friend of mine, uh, Chargers defensive lineman or uh, defensive tackle, Damian Square, signed a one-year deal yesterday with the Chargers. And now uh, today on the show, uh, without further ado, I'm super thankful and excited to bring someone who also gets the Desiree Show tagline, uh, first downs and flip tricks. He's a skateboarder with a mean frontside rock, a Canadian skate historian. Well, actually, he's Canadian. He's also a skateboarding historian. Or of Maybe he's Canadian-American now. We'll find out in just a few moments here. <laughs> he does look to be funny. <laughs> uh, he's a writer, former Powell writer, seen in propaganda and celebrity tropical fish. He was the editor of Skateboarder, and he's co-authored some monumental, iconic athletes' uh, autobiographies, Tony Hawk, Rodney Mullen, and Joe Namath. Yes, Joe Namath as well, Mr. Sean Douglas Mortimer. Hello. Hello. So uh, let's uh, get that right. From Vancouver. Yeah, originally. Originally. Came out. I know you came out in uh, Yeah, when I was 17, I moved out here and with Tony and then... uh, And Cindy. Yeah, 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 they weren't married yet, yeah. but um, okay. no Riley yet. And then uh, after a while, and then got married and been here ever since. So, and I'm dual. So I okay, you're, okay, I figured you probably were dual. That's that's a tough one. I know a lot of the Canadian skaters really struggled. I know now it's really. I was just talking to somebody, or I was talking to Corbin from Australia, and I guess in the last couple of years, it's really hard to get certain visas and stuff nowadays. It's nuts. Where like like I know Tony helped Haslam and a couple of those guys get it, um, and I think now there's a lot more. I'm not sure exactly what the holdup is, but it definitely, like, dudes are sweating that weren't sweating before, so. Yeah, well, and I mean, I know Ka- uh, Colin as well, Colin McKay from Canada as well, like, obviously, it's, you know, I know a lot of the Canadian skaters specifically had trouble. Yeah, that's why I just, I mean, I didn't have my citizenship till like, a year ago, so I was just like, oh, let's keep a green card, and then I was like, ooh, I better get this, <laughs> even if I got kids here or whatever hooked up, so. Crazy. Yeah. But I guess that's life. So. No, it's bravo to you. My mom took that test as or took the citizenship as well and became a citizen. Yeah, I sweated. I am not the best. I didn't do that great in school, so I was like, I haven't taken a test for like twenty years. Now that's really surprising to I, hear. I had my kid with, in the back seat testing me as we were driving all the time. Like, how many members of how many people in Congress said it? Like, <laughs> oh, impressive, impressive. Uh, so now. I want to start, you know, like you just touched on it as well. I know um, 
you your first setup, I believe, was a Palo Peralta board. Rat um, bones, yeah. A rat bones. Rat bones. Yeah. And you uh, you did your newspaper route and collected money. And I like to share those kind of stories. Like, Yeah, I saw Back to the Future. And I was like, what? I don't I think like most people I know, you don't know why you were attracted to skating back then, especially because it was a very underground. It wasn't like my parents had no idea what it was even because it wasn't there weren't a lot of skate shops. And if there were, you wouldn't go into them. And it wasn't in the media or there was no televised contest. So. There was no, it was a sort of a parent-free zone. So you kind of had to like, half of the process was sort of trying to figure out how to, how to educate yourself on it, so. Yeah, no, and yeah, a lot of watching, uh, watching as well uh, at home. Yeah, later. but even then, I, you couldn't even, I mean, where did you even go to get a video, so. And then it, back then it was like a rite of passage to go to a skate shop, because there's always some, you know, I had PD who still does a shop in Vancouver, and he's amazing, but it was like, you know, I was like this suburban kid in my Sears jeans or whatever, and you walk in and they got all their punk at that time. Like, it just seems so different than any sort of culture that I've been exposed to. So it was kind of a rite of passage, which everyone I talked to, it was kind of that same thing. You had to learn how to be a skater. And it kind of once you pushed through that, it was it was, it was was part of that process of an identity. So. And, when, what, and how old were you at this point? I think I was 13 or 14, so. Okay. Yeah. And then luckily I lived in the same town as Kevin Harrison. There was two other skaters in town and we just skated every night in the lacrosse box. So got kicked out. And, but there was one person to skate with, so it was awesome. No, that is cool. Now you, and then uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, you moved out to San Diego in 17. What about that time in, in between? What, how, was, how was high school for them uh, for you? I was just, you know, like most skaters, I think I don't know anybody who went to their prom. Until my wife years later. But honestly, nobody, Tony didn't go. I didn't go. Ray didn't go. Yeah. And it wasn't like you were just like, ah, it's not my deal. Why would I put any effort into it? So it was much kind of like last one in, first one out. Mm -hmm. You know, the guidance counselors are laughing at you when you tell them you haven't signed up for college or whatever. I'm going to go to California and skate. And they're like, okay. So it was just, you know, but you were kind of used to that. And I think, again, that always was a way of building your identity because you were like, I don't want to be like these people. So. If they're pushing me away, that's kind of a comfortable feeling. So it's a rebellious state. It would be so weird been. now where you're like skaters are cool at school. It would be a weird I don't even know. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad or it's probably awesome, but it was it would be such a different sort of type of peer pressure to deal with. No, it was because yeah, it was I mean, the skates the skaters and the punks, I mean, like were Yeah, you always connected to the punks. Even yeah, if they I didn't mean, skate. Yeah. I mean, they always skated for transportation in their docks, but you still <laughs> They'd look at Thrasher like GBH is in there. So, uh, totally. <laughs> now, okay. So what? How? Okay. So from this first board that you get to having a little posse, uh, like a hand or two, three guys, two yeah. guys that you skated Mostly with, Kevin, yeah. And um, to how did you? How did what happened that you? What happened? What are the events that happened that led you to get on that plane, move to San Diego? Uh, well, I got on Palo Peralta. You just skated, and you know, I, back then, like either people word of mouth or whatever. And then I met Stacy, and I got on Powell. Um, and then I met. I came down with Kevin. I would just come down to contests. I would or or trade shows back then, where they were kind of a different deal. And I just met Tony, and the first time I met him, he was like, I was there for like, I went to go skate his ramp, and we just hit it off, and he's like, oh. I think he said it offhandedly. He was like, you should come, you know, when, you're, when you graduate, just come hang out. 
And like two days after I graduated, I was there and I, and I rolled up the hill. I, maybe I didn't even tell him. I just remember going up and he lived in Fallbrook and going up there and they, he would, they were getting him and Greg Smith, another one of our friends who's a, a pro for Madrid. They were getting ready to go to Vegas. And I remember I had all my stuff in a duffel bag and a, and a pillowcase. And they were like, let's go to Vegas. Like two minutes later. And I was like, okay. And then I just never left and stayed and figured out how to make it work. So. Now, what? How much money did you have in your in your pocket? I'd saved up like maybe two thousand dollars. Oh, think. that's pretty impressive. That's like I mean, a lot of I've yeah. spoken to a lot of guys and they like seventy bucks, a hundred bucks. You know. Yeah, I knew. I mean, I wasn't expecting Tony to pay for anything, and I had a truck. I had to put gas in, so I was just like. So you drove? You yeah, just, I was like, I drove in my Dodge Ram. I was like, if I want to make it work, I got to make it work. So. That's pretty sick. And then you you come and you're on Powell, and I mean. And the two videos you're in, it's, I mean, God, it's like a phenomenal group of, I mean, Ray Barbie, Steve Caballero, Tony. Yeah, every, um, everything I back mean, then. It Ray, was such a... Ray Underhill, uh, Steve Size. Uh, Lance, yeah. I Lance. Mean, well, I mean, it's all these people I grew up watching, Paulo Diaz, too. I mean, I, I think, mean. Yeah, I think that's what's weird about skating is that you really, it's not that far of a jump to go from not knowing any of them and feeling like you're kind of on the moon and watching these videos and then going and meeting and skating and hanging out with them. I mean, you hear it a lot, and you, I mean, you go to skate park and see your heroes and stuff. So that was kind of the rad, tangible aspect of professional skateboarding then. Like, to me, and I think most people, the most famous people or that you'd want to meet in the world were people like Tony and Lance and Stacy or whatever. And it wasn't that hard because it was such a subculture to meet them. So it was kind of this whole other way of, of keeping yourself within that bubble that other people totally didn't understand at the, at the same time. I mean, you'd always, you'd always get the older guys I knew. If somebody found out what they did, they'd, they'd always say, like, aren't you a little old for that? Like, that used to be the sort of old, I, old person phrase who didn't get it. So Yeah, I, I got that. And then, yeah, when are you going to stop skating, does? Like, yeah, because you were like, like when a, are you going to grow up and stop skating? It was a kid's toy, so it was kind of awesome. You were like the super immature, and they kind of left you alone. So I think we all like still sitting at the kids' table at dinner. So. <laughs> it's more fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's no politics or religion. <laughs> it's just all about having yeah. fun. Uh, now, um, you show up, you say you show up at Tony's house um, with a duffel bag in your pillowcase and you guys head to Vegas and what was, what, what, I mean, tour, a little tour or a little demo or just a skate, or his, skate trip? Or? No, his sister was singing. His sister's a backup okay. singer, I think, for the Righteous Brothers. I don't, I think it was just a reason to go to Vegas. Okay. I mean, I would, they didn't even let me in because I was underage. Um, Tony, I think, was just over 21, so. But it was kind of just, there was just, there was no real set schedule except for tours back then, and they did a lot, way, way more tours than I ever did. So it was always kind of just like there'd be these gaps of just like, let's go do, like, how do we entertain ourselves? Like, let's. We'd skate for a couple hours a day, or people would come over and skate, and then we'd go figure out what to do. So well, and then Tony had the ramp. Yeah, at that point too. Yeah, I mean, three which, ramps yeah. so basically. And then so. that. So now, the t you you keep bringing it up as well, and something that I think about often is just uh, there's so much there, so much has changed in skateboarding, and in, in a lot of ways where it's it's cool now. Um, yeah. parents, uh, there's a lot of soccer parents out there. There always have been, but there's a lot of them that are being for their kids to go to the Olympics. Um, is versus, that what they're, uh, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, or, you know, I mean, the, the <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I mean, the you like, know, I mean, uh, the parents or the, you know, I, and I, I'm putting words in people's mouth, but 
um, or they see money. They see I think the money, I think that changed it for people. I think that legitimized it. Probably like legitimate, can't even speak, legitimizes anything. But you it's know. still not. But if you look, I mean, mm. but we know in the skateboarding industry that it's, there's only a select few. Yeah, it doesn't legitimize it for us. But I think on the outside, they're like, oh, this is worthy because you can make a lot of money off of it. Even though I think if you really skate, I don't think it, that's one of the you great things about no money. Yeah. yeah, like Tony, I mean, when you see somebody or, you know, I was just with Lance this morning, when you see people who just continually do it, they really transcend that way of trying to make it fit into this sort of structured society that we live in. They're just like, I'm just going to keep doing this. And I've been with Tony when he he was doing, you know, really well for a skateboarder and then near bankruptcy and then, you know, making a lot of money after that. And there's no difference in how he approaches skating or kind of life in general. So I, I think there's a certain point where your identity gets sort of cemented. And for most of us, you know, you're a teenager who's kind of doing this thing that's disenfranchised. And I don't think that changes if you're 30, 40, 50, and you still love doing it. You're still kind of stuck in that identity. Like Tony never tells me stories about, uh, you know, whatever, meeting famous people or them liking him. He always has, like, starts laughing and tells me these stories where people are kind of lame to him or kooky or whatever. Because I think this is, like, that's our sense of humor. That's his, mm -hmm. his identity. Like, he doesn't want people to be mean to him, but he's just like, oh, check out how funny this was. I met this guy and I said, like, I went up and, you know, told him, like, oh, I love you or whatever. I, you know, there's one guy whose name he would use to check into a hotel once he got famous enough that he couldn't use his own name. And the guy just totally just blanked him. And Tony just thought that was the funniest thing. That's it. He was like, I don't care. <laughs> Tony's like, all right. Oh, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Sean Mortimer. You can follow him um, at Judo Air on Instagram. And so from moving to Fallbrook, San Diego, Fallbrook, and what happened, What? how many years, or what was the time lapse from when you started working at Skateboarder? Uh, I just, I'd always, I'd always um, liked reading, and I guess my teachers have always said I could write, and you just kind of, like, you, you're in the magazines a bit, and I knew Grant and all those guys, so it wasn't that hard to just go, hey, like, I'll write something. And I mean, not a lot of skaters wanted to write stuff or no. even read that much at that time, so they were like, sweet, go for it. And that just sort of built on. Then I did some stuff for, like, the LA Times, and then that turned into, uh, you know, Tony had an offer for a book, so he was just like, yeah, you want to write a book? And I was like, okay. And so that all of those sort of things sort of one led into the other, and, you know, Tony and his brother had started – his brother had been the editor of Surfer, and they had that's where you did skateboarders. So they were like, "How about we bring it back for one or two years, like an annual issue?" And so Tony, Steve, and I did that. So it's all kind of just wasn't like any of us had business cards or resumes or anything. It was just like, "Hey, you, you can you can do this job, and you can do just like when you kind of built figured out how to build a ramp in your backyard." You just I think there's a big DIY component to skateboarding that carries on through anything you do in life after that. I mean, you look at someone like Spike Jones and how he, he didn't, you know, start going to film school and did that. And I think that's one of the reasons he's so singular. Is Chris Carter too? Yeah, uh, they you know all. I mean, they all yeah, the, the the designer. Yeah, no, uh, that did. Um, uh, was it Transworld? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then he went. He became. He did um, X Files. He was isn't he a producer? The uh, director? Is he the X Files? I don't know. Or if the he's writer? A, or he, I, mean, I know he was. He was a, I know there's a designer guy who a little before I got involved there who was like. 
I mean, took it to the next levels on, yeah. on all different. Well, no, and it's exciting to see as well a lot of our artists, our mutual artist friends as well, being oh, able yeah. to take it to like a complete, not just skateboard artist, but like actually, you know, worldwide known, you know, yeah, sought like, after, like I, you I, know, Ed, I mean, Ed Templeton as well oh, for his photography. Ed's, Ed's and so then, important to skateboarding, I mean, yeah. You know, and I mean, I just did a thing with Roger Gassman, who did uh, Beyond the Streets, mm-hmm. and he's sort of the guy who curates. He did, you know, he's done stuff with Banksy and all these, but he's just such a ra- it's such a rad period right now where you can you, you have people who are really really original. They they they're finding these original ways to sort of bring, um, you know, these subcultures to the mainstream without sort of stri- stripping them of anything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people. Or a lot of organizations would do that, say, with skateboarding. I'm just saying that because I was there. But they would strip away the things they didn't understand, like the culture. So, which doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. But. Well, and I think it's so paramount because you you brought it up, and I know it uh, and because of my life as well, but that this DIY, this 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 outlook we have, uh, you know, about attacking things or um, trying, just go for it, you know, it's... Uh, it, I mean, as a skateboarder, we slam, we get right back up and drop in. Yeah, and you got to learn how to do a trick. You just yeah. Trial, I mean, trial and error. So. You know, and so I think, I mean, it carries over throughout everything. Yeah, and that's, a, I mean, I, I now, the older I get, the more exposed I get to people who don't skate. And sometimes I see that in a lot of different people. You know, it's not just skateboarding. but Yeah. So. No, yes, and you've, uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I know you have some pretty cool now. Uh, Tony's Tony's book was the first book you wrote, and then yeah, uh, and then Rodney or co-authored with Rodney. Did Tony's, and then that did it initially got rejected by I think nineteen out of twenty publishers, and then one Regan did it because um, Renee, our editor, was younger and had a boyfriend who skated. But at that time, it was nineteen ninety nine, I uh-huh. think. Skating still, I mean, Tony's game hadn't come out. The X Games were kind of around, but not really. But no, he hadn't done the he hadn't done the nine hundred. Yeah, yet. so yeah, and he so it all that came out right when he did the nine, and that that sort of blew every really the video game blew everything up. But it was all these different sort of things at the same time, and that book did really well. I mean, it still does really well actually, but it surprised everybody. So we did that, then we did a YA version of it, like a young adult, and then I was like, well, I know Rodney, and he's got a kind of totally different story than than Tony in the sense of how his family supported him and stuff. Um, and just an amazing, he's just an amazing person, but but his story is so unique. So I was like, we should do that one. So that well, one And came so isolated. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I think of Rodney also in his garage back in, you in know, Florida. Yeah. yeah. I mean, j- by himself j- doing, he's still, learning. He's still pretty much there. You know, I mean. I mean he does the, it out here in California, but he still does that same. Yeah. You know, if you get texts from him, it's like right when I'm waking up is when he's. Like five thirty, he'll send me the text. Like, da, 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 da. like I mean, but if you try to get a hold of him at, you know, ten in the morning or noon or something, good luck. Good. Well, no, and what's so cool? I always what, one of the draws for me with Rodney though is um, that he was going to medical school. You know, um, and I always thought that was rad as well because not he's a you know people put you know skateboarders are just don't have educations or I mean this generalization I should say or they did. Um, the outcasts, yeah. you know, that this, this guy is also like one of the best in the world and then going to medical school to become a doctor. I mean, and I know that didn't happen. Other things happened for him in skateboarding, but you know, I always thought that was really fascinating. And at the bones premiere uh, in Santa Barbara, um, he, I told him, I said something to, to Rodney and he said, yeah, all my, 
all my medical friend high school friends are here tonight as well. Oh, that's so oh, the Santa Barbara Parade, yeah, the yeah, Bones Brigade yeah. talk. So, anyways, that was kind of long winded of myself. So then, so Tony Tony's happens, and then Rodney. When uh, time frame wise, how? Uh, I don't know. A couple of years later, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was a you know, it was a couple of years. I don't know exactly how many years, and then. What was the process from writing, you know, a story per se for the magazines or a couple paragraphs or, you know, or full, uh, you know, a, a full article to a book? I mean, because that's an overwhelming. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, luckily I was there for most of Tony's actually. So I knew that one was easy because we were just doing like a kind of a, the hardest part with that was sort of like, who are we writing for? Are we writing for, are there enough skaters out there that would care about this are we writing for people who don't know anything about skating like i would pick up a biography on someone i'm interested where you so you're explaining everything does that alienate the skaters like so that was the hardest part of sort of finding that balancing thing there but i mean you for tony we just had so many stories that sort of you know we, we could string together and uh you'd get a sense of what his personality was like because he had you know he's a very determined kid i mean his he, he was kind of an accident, so his, uh, there was like a 12-year gap between his brother and over that, and then his, uh, his, I think his oldest sister was 19 or 18. So you had this sort of unique home experience where he's kind of an only child, and he's kind of getting this, and he was just, till he was like nine, like a nightmare kid, like super determined, and to the point where, like, I think his mom was telling me once um, they were playing tennis, and she was like, I'm going to stop playing with you because all you do is hit the ball at me. Oh. Like super, and he's like, I don't know what he must have been like seven or eight. So, <laughs> but then he sort of chilled out. I mean, he says at nine, he kind of just was like, Why am I sort of putting all this aggression in there? Not, not, it wasn't, wasn't aggression like he was personally angry or anyone at kids. I think he just f had to find a way to sort of focus that inward. And that's when he found skating. And you can just go down that rabbit hole if you're trying to figure out how, how to push yourself in skating. Because you, once, once you start going down into yourself, you can go in a million different directions. And he's still doing that. So so how did you guys come up? You said there was sort of this contrast of what, like you know, the, the balance of the book and Yeah, that was, that was more after when we were writing it. But we would just sit down and just go, all right, should we do A to Z? Is this your story from when you're, you know, your childhood to to now and and so that structure was pretty simple for that one and it was such a basic book structurally because there'd been no other real biography on a skater then so nobody really knew what to do so they were like let's keep it simple and and i would you know i, I was really good friends with his mom so i would go over and talk to his mom and she would give me a story and then i'd talk to tony about it because it's really hard if you you don't want to just sit down and tell say to someone okay let's go like tell me this there's just it's too directionless like there's too many so you kind of need at least I find it helps to, to kind of talk to other people. And then when you sort of, the, the stories will, will, that are kind of grouped together for a reason, then you kind of go more into that and go, okay, he's going to show a sort of a character trait instead of just, here's a funny story, here's another funny story. You kind of hopefully subliminally will read the book and then go, oh, I understand now why he's accomplished what he's accomplished. That's like, cool. There's always a saying it. in writing, show, don't tell. So you don't want to be like, I was this way because... I'm so determined like that. No, you just have to turn, share. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't think people can relate to that. You just hear people say it all the time. So, but if you're like, oh yeah, when I was seven years old, I was, I went to the swimming pool and I wouldn't stop trying to swim the whole lap underwater, which is like what he did. Like my mom had to pull me out cause I wouldn't stop 
trying to make it, then you kind of get a sense of, of this inherent yeah. determination. Yeah. And then you go, okay, you focus that into skateboarding and that's part of what Tony's about. So, Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And then now, now, now the contrast you said of, uh, with Rodney. Yeah. I mean, from, I mean, very contrast, you know, very similar in many ways as far as what they have done and, and what they mean to skateboarding and their impact that they have done. And yeah, they're in a singular group. I mean, when you see them yeah. together, you really see like, oh, it's almost like two aliens. Like just, not that they think they're special, but their connection, because both of them were so, whether it was like winning contests for Tony and winning contests for Rodney, but they were inventing more tricks than anyone else. And they're, both of them sort of didn't know how to deal with, because it wasn't comfortable for them to sort of be isolated within skating when skating's everything to them. Like I know Tony, somebody said to him once like, oh, I'm just trying to get second. And I know people said that to Rodney all the time. And that, I think they were saying it as a compliment, but it made Tony feel like an outsider. Like, oh yeah, now there's this perception of me that he didn't really have anything to do with that, that sort of put him outside that group that meant so much to him, you know? Anything similar to you in your life? What? Yeah. No, what? no. I mean, what? is there is there a bit? Oh, I didn't win that many. I no, mean, I mean, <laughs> I definitely I had the opposite feeling. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm special, really. No, no. I mean, but you know, can, that you could identify to be able to share this as well at some capacity, maybe. Yeah, it. and I think I think it helped that they did that earlier in their careers, and they found both of them interestingly enough. Like, and this says a lot for that skate mentality is. Both of them quit skating when they were winning contests because they didn't like winning all the time. They really hated the fact that they would have to train and they considered it training to stop being innovative, but to actually go, okay, how do I get a contest run going? And you know what? If I don't do this, then I lose. And they, they didn't want they didn't want this this creative outlet for them to be sort of be packaged into a competitive thing where you won or you lost. So Tony um, and at the time he went and talked to Stacy, he said, I, I, I don't want to compete anymore. And at the time, that's all you did as a pro, you know, you could be in the videos, but it wasn't like now you couldn't really have another a successful career without proving yourself through contests. Um, well, but, but he was like, I, I can't do this. And then he, he took, he, he retired or didn't retire. He just stopped doing it. And until he found a way for himself to, to sort of figure out how to enter a contest and skate the way he, that would be fulfilling to him and not worry about winning. I mean, he still won all the time, but he, he didn't put that, he kind of took a lot of that pressure that other people were putting on him off. So, and Rodney's dad made him stop repeatedly. So, cause his dad had, you know, his dad never really respected skateboarding. So. Yeah, it's just wild. Uh, you know, and I think with Tony as well, I think of those on NBC, I think they were they, those vert contests they would show on TV in the 80s, sometime in the 80s. Am I correct? What ones? Like the, well, well Unreal the vert, was the, the vert, 80s. Like the, the vert videos. contest, and it was always Christian and Tony. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think they had that televised one. Um, I was probably still in Canada then, but the one where the Chili Peppers played and stuff like that. I think that was probably on TV, but I'm not sure. Skate I remember, escape. I remember, okay. No, I remember seeing contests on TV, and I'm trying to think when it was. You know, I mean, of just, you know, Tony and, you know, and these two completely different styled skaters. Oh, you know, like I Tony mean, and Christian, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just salt and pepper. I mean, the way they skate, the way they look, the I mean, their body physique. I mean, you know, everything about them and, uh, and this rivalry. <clears throat> that was kind of created. Well, it was like they didn't have that rivalry with themselves. No, no. They weren't like. It was a media thing, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, I, 
it almost just sort of organically made that sort of whatever, like here's the good guy or bad guy. And it was interchangeable. Like if you liked, you know, if you said you were, oh, Tony's a robot because he does tricks and a robot style, then Tony was the bad guy. And if you're like, no, like Tony's innovative, like Eddie Alguera, da 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 da, then Tony was the bad It was always like a. And but, that contract with Eddie Alguera and Dwayne. Yeah. I, I mean, it's always there. I mean, but that, there, that, that like, is actually, that was, I think that was. But then I talked <laughs> to Dwayne and he's like, Remember, you know, he's so respectful of seeing Eddie do stuff like Frontside Rocks when he invented those. Like he told me the story and he was like, like somebody had said, oh, why don't you do a rock and roll this way to Dwayne? Or, and he was like, whatever. And then he saw Eddie do it and he was just blown away. So that's that, that's what's. That's what's right what, yeah. Story. When you're in there, you really realize it's just all friends, you know, and after the contest, they're going to go skate the ramp together. So I think especially now when you I don't watch a lot of televised contests, but it does seem like they sort of pit them like you know, these alpha male versus alpha male thing. And I'm like, is that, I mean, I'm sure there's are some skaters like that now. Cause there's a lot more. There's a bigger diversity. Quote unquote rewards too. And you know, a lot of people have been raised to go, this is how you become a successful quote unquote skater. So may, you know, there, I've seen a couple skaters who are so talented, but they aren't they're, they're They don't really have the cultural connection. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I think if you have the cultural cl connection, then you're like, okay, we all skate, we're all in this together. And if you don't, you might just be like, you're the Terminator on the ramp. Like, yeah, no, it's it, it's changed a lot too. I mean, I think now, but you still see it. I feel like the youth needs to hear or know the history. Yeah, and um, to real and but not to discount what they're doing at all. But yeah, you don't want old guys going. This no. is what real skating no, is like. But to empower them, to empower them with what, where this came from, and that they are yeah. the ones now carrying this torch. I mean, to to to, um, you know, to empower them. I don't know if that's maybe sounds corny, but no, I don't think it's ever. I think once you get into skating, too, you that's always there. Like that's a rad part about skating is that I think people can complain about the Olympics or before it or whatever. And it doesn't matter to skating. Like skating is just always, <laughs> I always see it evolving. It's just always this thing. It doesn't matter if it's Thrasher or your friend or whoever's trying to tell you what skating is. Like it never works. It's to me, it's always the older guys who are trying to hold on to something that meant a lot to them, but that's not how skating works. I think it's always evolved. It's always going to be something new. So even with a photography, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, sure. that was gnarly. I know as a photographer too, it was like gnarly going from 35 millimeter film and then to my house of blood and then to digital, you know, and I remember John Humphreys kind of sharing, this is another tool. It's not the same, you know, but it's, it's another tool we need, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, but I mean, this evolution and everyone seems to, all other industries seem to always go to skateboarding. For, yeah. Cause I think, it, I think it's so creative. Like there's just always like creative outlet. Like that's why I think it, always remains fresh when you're you always just see people i always see like oh there's a whole new take on it. i get so i get i get so stoked now when you go to a skate park and you see there's no timeline for skaters anymore like they're like i'm doing an old trick it's a boneless they're just like oh bonuses are rad and then here's a tray flip and here and they just mash it all together and it's the older people who i think have gone oh that trick's from this era or that trick's from this era and they're just like i mean they, i see them do it with music too like my kids yeah they have no idea like that's a classic rock song. They're just like, that's good. That's good. Like, and they don't care when it was recorded. Doesn't have a label. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, wow, I don't, it's good music. That's it. So that's cool. That's really cool. Now, uh, you, um, you started writing, obviously we were just talking about that. You've had the opportunity to write, I know Tony's Rodney's and then recently Joe Namath. Yes. Um, and 
have mentioned the, the, the similarities, like of all three ha- don't have trophy rooms in their homes, and they're all no, three yeah. probably. They're all super crazy humble. Not even humble, like not false humble, or, the, you know, there's no humble brag sort of stuff, but it's much more like Joe is really into the teamwork aspect. So when you're writing the book, and I know nothing about football. Like my introduction to him was there was another writer involved, and I don't know what happened, but it didn't work out. And uh, an editor I knew in New York was like, oh, you guys actually have this really weird same approach to because he'd been working with Joe, and he's like, you guys kind of have this similar approach. Like I think you'd hit it off. So I went to Florida, and my introduction to Joe was like the editor saying, this is Sean, and he knows nothing about football. And Joe was just didn't even miss a beat, like just smiled. He's got this rad smile, and he's just like, there's more to life than football. And it was like, okay, he's got the football taken care of. I don't need that. I'll help with, you know, structure and kind of digging out these. But I actually found he comes from that era in football where it was so creative. Like when he would talk about looking at the foot position and studying film and doing all of this stuff that was, to me, really creative on his own to figure out what they were going to give him and, and, and how to counter that. Like when he talked about winning the world when he got the MVP for the Super Bowl, like it was all, you know, I, I think everyone knows the story. They were massive 17 point underdogs, but he would, he, he was, they, they couldn't deal with his creativity. And to me, that's exactly like skating. So it doesn't make a difference if you're throwing a football or calling a play or, you know, on a ramp. So the other team that hit came against them were super formatted and they destroyed everybody in the NFL. Cause it was still a NFL AFL at that time. Mm-hmm. But, they they were just like this machine that was just murdering everybody and he, and he didn't beat it by going that he beat it by giving them something they could not spontaneously deal with so was out of there yeah yeah they, they were just used to kind of these set plays that they could go against a set play and he just kept he was super fluid and kept so i was just like oh this is, you know so by the end of it i mean i you know i watched a football game with him and he was watching videos of skaters with me so but he's a rad guy he's super He's a super sweet, but he's also just so into, so open to learning new things and approaches to life. Even when, you know, now he's in his seventies, he's not slowing down. That's rad. No, it's cool. And I mean, and he, I always think of these iconic shots of him on the field with these floor length uh, fur coats and a cigarette. Yeah, I never, I mean, he was the first guy to have white shoes. Yeah. Oh, he used to tape his shoes. He called them, he calls it spatting. Like, you know, in the old forties, you had spats, but um, he would get white tape and tape is they were all black at that it's like time. skateboarding did you say that's what yeah, we no, do he's, super, he's super into style like in a certain way he'd, he'd just pick up these things when he was growing up um like the way somebody laced their shoes and he's like i still lace my shoes that way but he had this sense of style that wasn't it, it wasn't bragging it wasn't calling attention to himself he just kind of had this creativity that he wanted to express and how he so I mean, they're, they're the the locker room manager was one of the first guys when he was pro to talk to. I can't remember what brand of shoes it was. Um, and they custom made him white ones. And then he was the only guy in the NFL with white shoes. So at that time, so and no penalty because I know now with like any type of uh, gear, oh, is there? yeah, know. there's like you have <laughs> to have it all. Now. You know, no, I mean like you know, there's there was definitely penalties now there's money in place. involved. I mean, and it was money. crazy. We were watching the game because we watched. We structured the book around uh, the Super Bowl game. So we sat down and watched it, and he broke it down and everything. Um, and just to see their approach, like the game's over, and they're like, okay, we're done. I was like, did you save anything? He's like, no, nobody saved anything. He has nothing. Nobody has anything. He's like, there's one guy who saved a ball, a game ball. And he's like, but he was older, so maybe he kind of had a better perspective on the whole thing. But Wow. 
Yeah, so it's, I don't even know if anything anybody saved anything from from that game. That's that's crazy. That's yeah. that's just wild. Um, yeah, you know, and, and again back to skateboarding where we do save a yeah, lot. Yeah, unless you're Tony uh, and Rodney, they gave away their trophies too. So I was like, these dudes are all peas in a pod. You know, sorry for the cliche, but I just kept seeing all these similarities in their approach, and they're all constantly like, okay, yeah, yeah, I did that, but what's you know what's next? Like not more so you, you they're trying to feed this creative need rather than just going yeah i did this and you know and flower me with uh accolades and things like that they they both sort of like like fear that in a certain way that that will like like stagnate them so how did you i mean you've you've also maintained something similar of this humility and you've been you've had the opportunity to share all these uh, share quite some pretty amazing stories and have that confidence to, for people to ask you to share help. Uh, I don't, I just think that's, I got it from, I don't know. I don't know if skating brings that out in people or people who are like that. Cause skating really doesn't, you can't really jock out in skating. Like you'll get ostracized if you kind of have that me over you attitude, at least from what I've seen, you know, oh. at least in the past, like that's like changed a little bit now. But <laughs> yeah. But there's definitely a, I think that was just one thing that we had that all attracted it. And I think most of skating back then you were all misfit. You were all like, not skating's better. You're just like, I don't know how to fit into this other world. Like that's what I was like. I was like, I, I mean, I, it, it wasn't a conscious choice. It was just like, you're kind of bumbling around going, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And then you find this really weird thing and that clicks for you. But it definitely, I don't know anyone who was like, oh, we think we're better than anyone else. It was just like, oh, I found like, you know, I, I tell people it's like that Rudolph, uh, the Christmas special with the Island of Misfit Toys. Oh, that's, like, yeah, you don't want to leave that place, though. You don't yeah. want to be a regular toy. You want to be. You're like, yeah, there's something, there's something to being a misfit toy. Yeah, and it's not, I don't think it, I don't think it's something you work towards. It's just whatever, it we, whatever you came out broken or whatever they want to call it, but. And, and that's why, you know, it's, I was talking to Lance this morning and we're all, and Tony said this the other day and so did Stav and we're like, we, I can't believe we get to keep still doing this because, you know, we're all getting up there in age, but you can still hang out and skate and kind of be immature and still figure out how to have a family and do all these things. Yeah, it's a crazy balance, but it's your soul. I mean, that's, it's from my, I only get to skate once a week, but it's my, it's my soul. It keeps my soul. I, I wish I could skate more. You know, I'm grateful I get to skate once a week, but, you know, it's like, it's part of my soul. Yeah, I don't know what it'd be like. I get grumpy. Not be able to slam, honestly. Like, you think, I think you just move differently. Like, uh, my kid goes to school with the same as Tony, so, you know, I'll, whenever there's an event, obviously we just suck towards each other and hang out. But when you start hanging out with other people your age, which didn't happen to me, like, I wasn't forced to do it until my kids were in school. And I can't tell anyone's age, but I the way they move and stuff is so different than a skater or anyone else. Like, so. When did you realize that your calling was kind of being able to articulate on paper or, you know, in words? I don't know. Well, definitely wasn't a call. I mean, I was, I don't know. I, I mean, I rode the short bus when I was a kid. I didn't talk till I was three. So school initially wasn't easy, but I think back then they were just like, ah, you'll catch up. I mean, I grew up in a pretty chill town. And I didn't really, I liked English class and I loved reading, but I never really was like, I'm going to go to college and do that. So there was never sort of that intent. It was just more of like, I think skating, like you figure out like guys who can build ramps really well or, you know, like Tim Payne or whatever. It's just, you kind of go and then 
luckily it's so open that there's a lot of things you can test and then go okay like I'm I guess I'm okay at that but I still don't I I don't know you know I, it's like skating you just kind of people have so many different approaches to skating like Tony has the sickest approach to skating like if I can't do a trick or something he'll be like you got to move your right shoulder there and I'm like what like I'm way more intuitive like have no idea how I do a trick when I learn one and him like Rodney and Tony will break it down like almost like a math problem in a certain degree. Like, wow. And they'll be able to go like, no, 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 your hips going this way. It's just, and I can't think that way. So I think that's one of the approaches to life too that skating encourages is you can, we can all get, help each other get to these certain areas, but there might be different approaches. So. Well, I got, I'm going to throw some quotes at you. So I reached out to Colin McKay and uh, he said it was all about the skate ranch. Yeah, so I grew up with Colin. I mean, we were, I, I grew up in Steveston, a town, which is like right outside Vancouver, and he grew up in North Van. Um, I love Vancouver, by the way. Yeah, and back then it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it was like a rad city, but it wasn't like now. Like it's kind of known as more of an internationally accepted, cool kind of place. Um, so Kevin Harris built the ranch. We actually all helped, I mean, I helped him build it with, and he again had no, he just DIY'd it. Like, I don't know, like he graduated high school, became a pro skater. And he's like, how do I build a place for people? And he just figured out how to build ramps and got a warehouse. But I mean, that place was just chaos, especially Colin and his crew. I mean, that's how where RDS, that brand started. Yeah, I was going to say that. Sluggo and, and Alex yeah. Chalmers. And it started and as like a fake gang. Paul, yeah. Like there were real, real gangs in Vancouver. And they were like, they, those guys would always take the bus back together because everyone go, everyone just went to the ranch in Richmond. But that was like, it was like a 45 minute bus ride for them. So they were always getting kicked off bus rides. And sometimes I think there were stories where the buses wouldn't even pick them up. Sometimes they would go, I mean, they were just notorious and they were like, let's start a fake gang. Like we aren't going to do anything. We're just going to talk about it. Like it's happening and let's see if we can have other people talk Moses about it. Is, Moses is, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it was, and all the nicknames, Sluggo, yeah, Moses, yeah. 57, Stutter Rap, like everyone at the ranch. What was, your, what was yours? I was just more. Okay. I don't think Colin had one either, but there was a guy, you know, 50, they measured him. He was really short and he was 57 inches. So there, okay. he's still 57, you know, you know, it's still that <laughs> Sluggo. Cause there's an old comic strip called Nancy and he looked uh -huh. like one of the characters that was named Sluggo. So it was just a rat. I mean, back then there were no girls there because girls didn't like skaters. So you, all these kind of zip faced teenagers would just always be at the ranch and that was your crew. Uh, that's cool. And then a Grant Grant says you have the uh, Sean knows everything and anything about skateboarding and has a mean front side rock and roll. I don't know if I know. I just think I just hang out with guys like Lance and Lance knows everything. So I'm just like uh, no. Okay, no. The him. constant vein, the constant vein. I heard from people, and I spoke to Lance, <clears throat> Stevie, Grant, Colin, uh, who else? Mickey. Everybody. He knows everything. That's just because I hang out with people who know everything. <laughs> I just, then, I can, then I can text them. He's part sponge. Wait, when when this happened, Lance? Yeah, no, Lance. Now, Lance said, uh, here, what did Lance say? He's a skate rat that grew up in Canada, lifetime away from the epicenter of skateboarding at the time, but was a part of a group that took a spark and started a fire up there. That's a group a lot with of Colin writing for Lance. Oh, Jeez. he wrote probably. <laughs> Lance is one of the first. He came up and helped build the first ramp. So he was the first. I mean, Kevin Harris was pro, um, but he was the first sort of guy I'd seen in the you know Bones Brigade video show. And I was like, all right, like I, I mean, I was friends with Kevin, and I, I kind of did whatever to help out. But luckily, I got to build that ramp, and that's when I started. 
and Lance was the first guy to put me in trans world. Like he shot a picture and stuff. So, but it, it, he also had this. I was just starting to skate transition because we were just building. Ramps. Your first shot in trans world was by Lance Mountain. Yeah, that but also so Lance right. said this to me. I now I took me years to realize I misheard it or misunderstood it. He we were building the ramp. And we, you know, we're always talking and stuff. And he was just saying, "Oh, front side's easier." But I think he was talking—he was talking about front side errors. So I would just be like, "I'm going to learn everything front side." So like, I didn't couldn't do a backside rock for ten years, but I could do front side rocks everywhere because like, oh, Lance says they're easier. So you just, which was kind of interesting too, because it, I still think it's easier. But <laughs> how you know, like Bob Burnquist, like grew up like like he was doing all those switch things, and nobody else was doing anything like him. And I think if you just kind of have an open field of you definitely see it now. Like there are some skaters out there. I'm like, I can't tell what stance they are. And that's because yeah. I think they're like, why would you have a preferred stance? So I think there's, if you can have an openness approach to skating, then I think now we're seeing how gnarly that happens. If you have that from the start. So. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. And Lance also said, uh, well, yeah, you, you let a fire a group with Colin McKay migrates to SoCal became friends with Tony Hawk and Mullen, writing their books, but somehow still has the need to see what a frontside hurricane still would feel like. I believe that is his move. That's just because whenever with Lance, that's the... <laughs> Luckily, it was one that stuck around for a bit, so... <laughs> um, and uh, Mickey had the same words, too, that you, were, you had the ability to say pretty much... doesn't say much, but if you're smart enough to ask, he'll tell you something you didn't know about virtually anything. Mickey's awesome. Mickey's just, he's good with compliments, as you can tell. Yeah, wrote, but I lived with him for a while, too, and he was like, you know, that was that was the other rad thing, just bouncing around from, you know, all the skaters that would kind of live in certain areas and stuff, and you'd go from here to there. It is. No, skateboarding, I mean, it was. It was, it was couch tours, and, and it was, I mean. It, yeah, I mean, you never knew what to expect. You'd wake up, and O would be on the couch, and he's like a famous... Uh, skateboard photographer and now any t literally any, any show i've been backstage i see oh yeah oh yeah Li i'm not even joking every time <laughs> it's crazy no oh i don't know oh is everywhere yeah like he was doing i think he was guitar tech or something or no two or something for dinosaur jr he was but his band too fluff i remember his band fluff oh yeah he's, got, a million I mean, that was like, he's got another yeah. band yeah i mean he's multiple bands i mean, no, I mean yeah tons uh but i remember fluff i mean and i still have like one of the old fluff stickers like they made, I mean, I think yeah, they just like awesome. some really cheesy, like quick, you know, cheap, like Kinko. That's style. what's rad too. Is so many of those guys are still around. Oh, still does stuff with foundation and stuff. They're always still. If you go to, I don't know, we went to some. Somebody had a beer, uh, Black Plague event, this type of beer, and you go there, and there's this. It's oh yeah, this is the same crew that was hanging out in 1989 or 1995. Like it's, it's awesome. I don't know. I don't know how. Maybe everyone's like that, but it's rad to just sort of have that camaraderie yeah and, and just people where you really like their shorthand jokes and all that stuff like i know a couple of friends like my, my friend ray underhill moved away he was just like oh man it's really hard to make friends like when you break apart from that group and move far enough away that you kind of have to reestablish friendships and you we have such a whatever uh, odd sense of our odd perspective towards life so no but but you, it's really cool though that you were able to see also joe's uh, you know, a football player yeah. as well, like of, of that it's it's a very strong trait. It's a very special thing we have in skateboarding, and we're always giving back. You know, I think that But I don't think it's unique. I but think, I think there's, but I think it's cool that to see yeah. that there's not, it's not just 
now. dating. It's not. I mean, I mean, it's not. Mm. You. I, I think that, that's what I just see connections everywhere. I feel that whenever whenever I do projects or something. That's why now I'll be like, oh, I'll work with somebody if I can connect to like their their how they approach whatever it is, how they approach problems or whatever. And I, you know, like like I said, or like you spoke, uh, uh, Tony and Rodney and Joe were all the same. It didn't matter what the actual physical activity was. Yeah. Well, no, and even like John Kelly was in studio, and like cause I, I think I, we have we share that we like I like I like to hear hear or to see the third dimension of people. I like you know not just the out the surface stuff. I think that's a, the most boring. You, yeah, you know, like, I want to see it's even with photography. I don't want to climb. I was climbing up on stuff before it was kind of cool to climb up on stuff. You know, I mean, or just a, another perspective. I knew the money shot. I knew what, but like you know, and then John Kelly plays for the Rams. Um, but was in studio about a month and a half ago. Um, the Rams is a football team. Rams is a football team as a running back. However, uh, that was a question because I don't know. Yeah, the Rams, they're Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> you have to help me out <laughs> like, here. Uh, yeah. um, There's but two he's football a teams in LA. There are now. There haven't been any in 20 work? plus years. One's in Costa Mesa. That oh, play, Chargers LA. play. Chargers play actually at StubHub Center. Well, it's called something. They else used to now. be in San Diego, right? They were in San Diego, okay. and then the Rams were. Originally in Los Angeles, and then Georgia moved them to St. Louis, and then they're back now. That's complicated. But but anyway, so we're gonna keep it simple though, because John skates and he snowboards. Uh, skates, oh, is he the he, guy? He's the one I put. I did something. I and was he on the barracks. Up, yeah, I called Chase. Had soaked up the session for the barracks. Helped produce that piece. That um, dude's sick. We watched the barracks thing. Like his. Have you? You should listen to the a, interview. He's sick. <laughs> he rips. Like I've given boards to guys in the in the NFL for about eleven. I can't years. believe they let him do it. Well, he, I've never seen any of them post it, you know, and he, he skates really good. No, I mean. <clears throat> Edelman, I asked as well, because Edelman skates too. And I just honestly can't believe like how, like. But not like. Your, no, just your ankle. You know, there's just little tweaks you could have, which, I mean, can make such a difference, I'm assuming, when you play football. Yeah, but you it's just I mean? like, like skateboarding, though. You can't play scared. No, but you can't I'd skate be like, well, well, I don't see. I don't know anything about football. I just no, but you can't. Like I know when Jason Lee did, did Earl, I think they were like, you can't skate because if you break something, then we're all screwed. Yeah. You know, and I think I think somebody I didn't he didn't say it to me, but I think someone said it was in the contract. Like you're not supposed to. Well, and I know it's been stipulated. This is like the first time John's the first one that I've seen that it's not stipulated in his contract. Yeah. Um, but but he said, I mean, he would skate, he would skate like handrails without. Um, grip tape. He skated at yeah, the yeah, yeah, that story where he skated for like a year with no grip. Yeah, and um, you know, and so, and then he grew up on the west side of Eight Mile, which is the spot that Eminem won't even get out of the car. He was from the east side, um, you know. But he said he told me his skateboarding saved his soul and football his life, you know. And he is a skateboarder. If you talk to him, you get he is, he has that. It's the same. You know, he's, and yeah, also, yeah. you know, you can't so, fake it. it's, no, I mean, you, you know, he, that in a Joe is not a skateboarder, but Joe has that special element. Now, did he ever mention anything about the Susie Colbert interview? Oh, we talk about it for sure. He's, okay. he's really grateful for it. No, he's like, okay. he hasn't drank since that. He's like, oh, he he's like, I don't even remember it. I was, and you know, there's uh you know, there were other, there were other jet teammates there and they were like, Joe started drinking, I think before the plane took off, honestly, like. I'm not trying to make a joke there. Like he was like, I was hitting it hard then. Um, and they were like, Joe's don't use them. Like don't do an interview with them. Yeah, no, they definitely. And they were probably like, this is great TV then. So, you know, he was, 
there were other people there just trying to say like, look, this is not the best decision to make. And, and then from what I heard, they still went with it anyways. And he, um, then I don't think he realized anything. He was, he was so drunk. And then the next morning, you know, his phone was blown up and he was like, what? And then he immediately apologized. He's very respectful of, even though he's got this reputation for being late, he's very respectful of women. Like, I mean, he's straight up, up front on, on, especially back in the 60s like he's like i don't want a girlfriend i don't want someone to live with but let's go have a fun night or whatever um but in a respectful way in that sense of like this you know i'm not trying to lead you down a road and so that so he felt horrible and he felt horrible that he you know embarrassed his family and his friends and then that made him go okay he'd already stopped drinking before that and then he got divorced and you know we write about he was like okay that was an excuse i used to start drinking again and then when that interview happened, he was like, okay, I can't, I can't make an excuse about this anymore. I've got a big problem. And so he, he was really open. He was, it was not something like, oh, we've got to address this. He was like, this is a major part of my life and it's a positive part of my life. It was embarrassing and I wouldn't want to do it, but I don't think I'd be here right now if it wasn't for that. Oh, that's cool. So he's got, he's just got that rad approach in that sense of He's not trying to, you know, have a persona or his ego's not like, how dare you say that or do this. He's very open to. He seems that he appears that way. Yeah. yeah, he seems very, um, you know, and you've kind of confirmed just what you've shared. Um, now is now this book. Let's talk about I mean, because this book is dropping is dropping this month or is dropped. I think it's out. I think it's they moved now? it ahead. But, okay. Yeah, especially it was, it was initially supposed to be out last year or January. And then uh, I think the things just took longer, and then I think they bumped it ahead, and I think it's out now. Okay, and then the best place to purchase any of these books, any of the books you have authored, I don't know, is an independent bookstore, a skate shop. Do skate shops sell books? No, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> no way buy it. It's everywhere. I mean, yeah. I mean, I go, if you Google your name, even a bunch of you know, if you Google, oh Sean yeah, Warner, I don't know. They're all on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever. So okay. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if there's any spot you'd like to direct people no, to. No, I just like little rad, crazy little bookstores, but to support the support the again, like the skate shop. Yeah, I just like that. You know, it's just connections to me. You just when people are kind of doing their own thing, it's always awesome. So it's like McGill Skate Shop. Like you go in there and you're like, this is one of the few places around. Like they like they're still just it's all run on sort of the passion for skating instead of trying to make a buck. Yeah. So. No, it's. I miss those spots. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that was, you'd watch the videos and you wouldn't leave and hang out. And there's still, that's still McGill's. Like, you know, he has a couch and people just like just go hang and out. hang out there. They don't even have to buy stuff half the time. Yeah. He probably doesn't want me saying this because they don't want to go. No. <laughs> don't go and buy something. <laughs> go buy something, not just a sticker. <laughs> um, we're coming, we've got like, you've now new projects. Do you have something else in the works as well? I uh, I've always got, yeah, I'm, well, one thing I, I'm doing a new book, but I can't. I okay. sign an NDA on that. Okay. And then, uh, so just stay tuned. And then there's uh, this documentary series I'm writing a treatment for with. Well, I don't know. It's, a, it's with with a bunch of different people. Sort of, they want to try to do sort of this multi-episode sort of the history of from the very start to the end of sort of extreme sports sort of, but all the different, you know, how it influenced society, how, 
Because there's always that kind of weird stuff where... Always had a ripple effect. Yeah. Even if people didn't realize it, like when skate shoes came out, at first they're like, why is everyone wearing these boxy shoes? And then all of a sudden... Remember how fat the tongues were in the 90s? And double oh. tongues? like well, the, And then the baggy pants and small yeah. heels. But, I mean, then you'd go places and you could tell who skated and who didn't. I mean, yeah. And then, it, know, then like, it started, I think, transcending those that thing. And then you had regular people. No, I mean, now you have everyone's wearing a Thrasher hoodie or whatever. So. And Vans. Yeah. Or, yeah you know Vans I mean? Like, are, no, if you saw someone in Vans. I remember wearing Vans in to my school. And people were like, what are those things? Everyone was wearing their... What color? Red? Light blue? No, or these blue? were like the blue, though. Yeah, the, I mean, because I remember yeah. like each year in junior yeah. high school, it was like a different color. But I would have to go, because they didn't have me in Canada, so I would have to go. Um, I would have to go to, to California and buy them and then bring them back. So. And or the, Jordans. I mean, it's crazy yeah, how many people Jordans. skate. Tommy Guerrero and Bryce Knights used to send me discounted Jordans they got for $5. Wow. Jordan 1. Remember, everyone skated. Yes, in. yes. No, totally. And they were like, ah, this colorway doesn't work. It's super cheap. Like, and somebody knew somebody who owned a store, like, in San Francisco, and they would send them back to me in Canada. That's sick. That's rad. It's sick, yeah. Crazy. But those things go for so much now. It's well, no, and crazy because to send anything, like, you know, it's, it's with all the the taxes and the tariffs and everything Well, to back Canada. then, Canada, like, you just didn't get, like, there was no Jimmy Z pant, Jimmy's pants, um... There was this stuff you couldn't get in Canada. Like, uh-huh. So you would come down and do I mean, now you can just get whatever everywhere on the internet. But but back then it was like that style too would be like two years out. Everyone's okay. like, Van, what are you wearing, dude? I'm wearing like my dolphin shorts and Nikes <laughs> or whatever. Like, you have any pictures of that? No, not I'm me. Joking. I wasn't wearing, I was wearing the Van. I was, I was the one getting fun, made fun of for wearing the no Vans. Dolphins. Yeah, I'm glad you... I was wearing I, skate, I can't, I can't skate rags or something at that skate point. Skate rags. But everyone even that, like, it was gnarly to wear a skull on your shirt. Yeah. I mean, they there's articles. Someone at Powell, Todd Hastings, our own team manager, sent me this. It was from a newspaper and talked about how Rap Bones was a satanic image. And it had all the police departments saying this. It's People are putting it up everywhere. It's a new satanic cult. Because the images back then, like, nobody really had tattoos. Like, it was, a, unless you were a biker. So you wore a McGill shirt. People, I know people who like the schools would send them home. Wow. So, yeah, or the Ripper, like even like the totally, Ripper. Totally, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, rap I mean, now homes, you have, so I'm like. Yeah, now there's skulls like on baby onesies and stuff. Like it's just yeah, part of the. It's kind of like the. It's been gobbled up. Gluten-free. Sorry. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's like, okay, so and then I've got um, some wave soda for you. Oh, thanks. What's um, that stuff? This is 85% sparkling water, 15% juice, and they have a, it's like a polite dash of caffeine in it. So there's no extra sugar. Um, I think there's one that also is caffeine-free. It's uh, the apple. And so but there's like five grams of sugar, and that's just from the yeah. apple, apple juice. And then this is um, some bamboo straws and a cleaner in there, too. I mean, I think you eat, you eat fairly healthy. Yes, we do bump into each other at Trader Joe's I know. once in a while. <laughs> you and Sturt. I run into Sturt, Sturt. at Trader <laughs> I bump into, I, bump, I went had coffee at uh, Riley. Oh, Riley's yeah, place. yeah. I went, I went uh, twice last week. I went with uh, it's Lizzie. It's like a skate shop. It's rad. Yeah, it's awesome. Lizzie and Axel on uh, Saturday, and then I went by myself on Friday. Yeah, every time you go in there, you're just like, oh, all, all the skaters, you know, are rolling in. It's awesome. No, good energy. They did a great job. I and love it's like the vinyl. work. It's crazy. I mean, I used to babysit Riley, so it's awesome to just see him like fully. A B is such a sick skater, but also like doing these projects, and he's not just doing them like vanity projects. He's in there, like yeah, no, he, he, he's doing his passion. Yeah, 
and he's and he's I think very important that he does his his. Oh yeah, whatever. It was, that it was is. awesome seeing that, and you know what was awesome was seeing Tony really encourage that. I mean, he was on Birdhouse and he quit to go to Baker, and Tony was like, "That's awesome! Like you've got to do your own thing." Like I totally get it. There was no sort of like, "How dare you do that? This is my brand. Like you're my kid." Like, was that gonna say to everyone else? Yeah, he's. I mean, no, that's cool. Yeah, that's, Tony's really. I've always I've known Tony since I think Riley was a baby. Um, like a baby baby. No, I was a baby arms. old pair. I lived in the garage and was like, he, Tony had no money. We used to dig through the couch for, we call it Taco Bell allowance. Like, yeah. We got 50 cents, we can get a burrito. No, and just always so nice and gracious. And and then I remember being in a demo at Petco and people just screaming at him. And I was like, God, how does he do this? Like, I mean, and I've just. I don't know how he do I'm always like, dude, how do you deal with all this? comments and stuff yeah <laughs> like and you. the people i mean and they I, it's just weird it's just i that's something i don't get one of the things i don't like about social media or just he has an awesome balance though he just really has a he doesn't ignore it but he's just got a rad way of sort of i don't know if it's over the year i mean he wasn't accepted as a skater because he was so much better so i think he's probably always had to work these ways up and probably knows like okay yeah there's always going to be some noise and then eventually if you're doing it for the right reason it's gonna sort itself out and can't argue with what he's done so yeah and i've got one more quote i didn't i i, I reached out to tony but i i wasn't i'm it's really tough to get through to tony but i did he just had a birthday yesterday i know i know and Catherine the day before or two days i'll before. make up a quote for tony I've already yeah, oh you got him you got tony, a quote yeah. for tony <laughs> he's gonna put it in the book uh but, but cab yeah. also said um what i know about sean is he is an observant he is an observant and has a passion for skateboarding and and what drives it. He's writing some great books on some great individuals in our industry. He always is a pleasure to be around and talk skateboarding. Love that dude. Yeah, it's awesome since Cow's moved down. It's just rad seeing all these dudes. I mean, he was such a San Jose dude, and now he's... Yeah, now he's I, I see him at Tony's County. all the time. Yeah. He always comes by and they skate the ring. And it's rad just seeing those old guys connect when they have such a crazy history from Bones Brigade. And then Bones they all Brigade. skate so freaking amazing still. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Oh, Cab, you still, you like, I want to do bowling. Lance like that. just I won. Do. I mean, Combi. Yeah. I mean, Skeevy, I think, got third. And then. Uh, it was awesome when we all went to Sundance for the premiere. Because that was the first uh, time everyone was together. Like, Tommy, everyone. And it was so, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've geeked out more in my life sort of thing. It was just so sick to see, like, those guys all together for a week. And how much they really, really matter to each other. There's a serious connection there. I haven't seen a lot of other places in my life. No, it's a special era. <sighs> but then, and then yeah. to see it that it's still, it's, it wasn't just an era. It's still, it's like a life, a lifeblood. Yeah. No, they had so many shared experiences that were pivotal at that time, sort of. So, I mean, they were all doing things that nobody knew what the results were. So you weren't. Sometimes you made money. Sometimes you didn't. And I think they all just connected through that passion. So, and you had Stacy there sort of mentoring everybody because he had a lot of like sort of like I said earlier like a parentless zone and Stacy was the one person we all I think we all still look up to him like yeah. I, I know we do like yeah no I mean he, he he's I would love some of those photos he shot oh just everything I mean I even mean, when I talk to him now everything. he's he's like one of the wise he's I've gone through a couple of things and he's always the guy who's got kind of sounds like counterintuitive advice but it's so spot on you know, everyone else will be saying, oh, you know, do something this way or whatever. And he'll be like, he'll just nudge it. He doesn't tell you, but he'll go, hey, have you thought about doing it this way or whatever? And it's always this really, you know, unique approach that nobody else has. That always leads to something more.
more sort of fulfilling than, than what anyone imagines. So. And you were a part of that. Mm. I, you know, Stacy Stacy got you on on. Power oh yeah, Stacy. I mean, I mean, and yeah. you know, and, be, and being involved like. And he's still like he's always been welcomed in that way. You know, I was never one of those guys like the the sort of the special ops of the Bones Brigade. I'd say like where, you know, the guys on the cover of Chin. But yeah, I mean. I, I, I mean, all of their friendships I value and, and Stacy along there too. Like I'm so stoked that I still am in contact with them. And biggest mentor. Who's your biggest mentor? Ooh, I don't know. Or first few, I should say. I mean. I shouldn't put you on the spot. Yeah, with I don't one. know. I mean, I mean, Stacy's like one time I got, I got pretty banged up once I got hit by a truck and was in a trauma center and all this stuff. And I was going to talk about that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was like fractured my spine. I had a brain injury and I had all this. I mean, I don't even remember a lot of it. And he was the first, everyone was like, this is a horrible thing. And, the, and I, I understand that. I mean, it, I was really messed up. And he was the first person who was like, this. look at this like an opportunity. And he just lost his son. So, I mean, that's way worse. But he was like, don't, I know that he, he actually said, like, I know this is going to sound weird. And I was at this point, I had you know, a face full of stitches. I had to get stuff reconstructed. I was like PTSD. I was on uh, anti-seizure medication. And he was like, this is going to sound weird, but this is an opportunity. Like really go into this. Don't turn away from it. And he was right. But he was the only person at that point in my life. Everyone else was like, you know, here's some drugs for you. You're, 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 can you swear on these things? Yeah. You, I mean, you know, you're, yeah, you're like messed up. You're, you're you you've been in the trauma center you've had all this stuff like this is a bad thing and he was like no no no, don't look at it that way and it was it was one of the gnarliest journeys i've ever had but i knew i could always reach out to him and he was the one guy who was like could kind of understand because even people close to me understandably they you know you can't you, you can't open up to somebody when you're got bloody scabs all over you in the face and you're trying to understand how this thing is something to be grateful for but he was the one guy so was able to show kind of like uh, it's a he just lining. encouraged me all the time yeah. yeah so like be open don't close this down like, well and now and now in addition <clears throat> it's like all that you went through because this was traumatic this was gnarly and i remember seeing i I'm at our spot at trader joe's <laughs> or a skate event but primarily it's get at trader joe's is i'd have a chance to speak to you more and uh this process, you know, but now you have your experience and your hope to share as well with other people. That yeah. Have, I mean, I, oh yeah, know. I guess that's another project. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, I, with my agent where I just finished writing a proposal for that kind of like how to, you know, how to turn that kind of what Stacy walked me through was this thing that I've always been super grateful for, which, you know, getting hit by a truck. And I, I guess, I don't remember. I flipped over it one and a half times and landed head first and bounced around for a bit. Um, but there was always, you know, there's this thing I wouldn't change a, a part a part of it if I had a little magic wand or anything. So. And how many years has it been now? I don't know, because one thing I didn't get back is <laughs> a sense. Of, I have no sense of time okay. now. Okay. So, no, I want to say five, six years. Is it? Oh like right, it was like 2013. So. Okay, so six, about six years, 2019 yeah. now. So well, five I don't or know. six. The day years. after it was day after. I mean, I know there was there was a lot of witnesses, but it was day after Christmas, so. So, but yeah, so Stacy's been awesome in that, in that sense. I mean, I actually would go through that, all that again, just because of, you know, gave that opportunity for Stacy to kind of a reach out like he did, but also, I mean, when you go through things like that with somebody, it's so intense and it's such a rad opportunity when you get through it to bond like that. So. No, it's, uh, I mean, 
to get through a life, I mean, life-changing, life-altering or, or near-death experiences really. Yeah, I don't even understand. I was always grateful, though. Even when I remember being on the couch and just I was in a back brace and I had to use a walker, and I was still like, oh, I hope everyone gets hit by a truck. This is awesome. I didn't even understand it. I was just like, I don't know why I feel this way. Like, I, my body, everything was messed up, and, you know, I could only watch Leave it to Beaver because I couldn't handle anything emotional above that. Like, I'd go into, like, these weird storming things. But it was, I was still like, this is, from the get-go, I don't know why. I was like, this, is, I'm just so grateful. And it wasn't, like, an intellectual thing. I did not understand it at all. So. And no, and no spiritual, <clears throat> I mean, spiritual. I mean, I had, I mean... What you- I don't. It's funny. I always say I'm embarrassed. I don't really talk about it, but I had, I had, I have no memory of the accident. Like because I landed on my head and I broke my nose and then it pushed through and broke the skull behind it. Um, but uh, I so I don't remember any of that. I don't remember probably like weeks around the accident, but I have this one kind of connect. Like it's just a sense of being connected to everything. I, and I don't. I'm not a spiritual person. I don't go to church. I don't. And I that all it was more like an experience than a memory and that's always been there from the i don't know how it how it even exists in that way because nothing else exists around that way but i was just like i'm not going to question it It feels awesome so and then you know and having stacy as someone there to talk about that that was he just giggle all the time he thought it was the funniest thing ever he was just but then you try to i mean i'm early on i tried to share it with somebody and it was like i i Weren't, weren't receptive. They weren't receptive. Well, and, and, and I'm, I'm not like offended. I'm not trying to push agenda. I was just like, I don't know what happened. I had this experience. I have no idea what this is. And I was still in this time in a back brace and walking around in a walker. But I'm like, I'm. It, it was the best feeling I've ever had. I was like getting hit by a car, by a truck is the the most awesome thing. And it was just like, <laughs> I think it was just too much to. So I never really talk about it because once you start to get into that, you you know you start fumbling around in the spiritual bathing suit area, and I don't want. I've talked to Rodney about it a lot too, and I'm just like, if you take the labels off, he doesn't have a problem, and he's 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 pretty religious, because uh-huh. um, he's the guy who'll he'll he'll always pull up the chair and get like two feet away from me, like, okay, tell me everything, because he's super into tense and yeah, and, he, and he's pre, he's he's pretty religious, so and he doesn't push it on anyone ever. Um, but he just is, he's got that Rodney intensity, so. Amazing. I mean, I remember, I mean, I just, I remember seeing you throughout the process, you know. Yeah, it was weird because I always had that feeling as, you know, I was trying to deal with PTSD and all the stuff. My, my nervous system, I guess, rewrote itself to survive the Road Warrior movie or whatever. I guess that's what happens when you get wrecked enough. You're, which makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. You know, your nervous system's going to go, okay, like we need to get past this if we're going to survive. So it prepares you for it again. So that's what, at least that's what my chronic pain doctor said. Um, so there's all that stuff going, but then it, that was sort of separate from this other feeling of just awesomeness. So now you, you are you're still skating? Are you yeah, skating? it took a while. That was I mean, the first time balance? I dropped in again was one of the scariest times because you know when you drop in, there's so many little, just just little adjustments of balance and stuff. Um, no, we got a moment. You know, so I was like, I was at Tony's place and uh, I'd slowly, I don't even know how long it was. It must have been a year. I mean, I, once my, I had to go through, I still go to physical therapy, um, but it took a lot of time so I could just like walk normally um, without a lot of pain and stuff. So when I got to that point, I totally remember it was a seven foot ramp and I was like, Ooh, I can, <laughs> like, I'm not going to know until it's way too late if 
it's not balances okay. just off enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the first time you drop in. So that it was kind of rad dropping in again with that fear. Because I always think dropping in is the hardest trick in skating. The first time the you first make yourself time. do it, oh, it's yeah. so awesome to see people do that and make it, how stoked they get. So, Well, I mean, look at Tony's video with his daughter. Yeah. That thing went crazy viral. Yeah. Well, I think so. of Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Hawkins, too, like when she was trying to drop in the vert ramp at the Y forever, forever, forever. And then when she finally did, I was stoked I was there that day. You know, we were like, yeah. no, just do it, do it. Don't it think, makes, just you go. Look, you look down and your whole brain is like, do not do, like, this is not. not. <laughs> it's like jumping out of an airplane, or, you, you know, like, you're not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. And then you do it, and then it's like, oh, that's it. But I mean, why it's, did I wait? Yeah, it's that mental to getting over. It. That's I mean, there's so many rad parts of skating. Yeah. So. Well, no, yeah, I know there are. There are so many. Uh, any final words or any uh, anything you want to throw in? I don't think so. I hope everyone's happy. Yeah. No, I mean, you've got <laughs> I mean, you know, it. there's so much. There's so much we could. You know, it's 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 one hour, so it's not yeah. as much in depth as I would love to for love for it to be. But it's I'm really thankful for you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell people. Except I would suggest, you know, maybe be open to everything. Okay. It always goes in kind of, you know, unexpected areas. So. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And you've and you've definitely demonstrated that. And I encourage you guys to get some books. I need to get some of these books. I'm going to order some. You got to call, like, the publicity department up. And say, I'm doing okay, podcast. Okay, okay. Send me this shit okay, now. Okay, I will do that. You got to work it. <laughs> but see, I, work the I feel system. bad doing that. No, oh, yeah. that's what they're supposed to do. They're going to be, oh, rad. You're talking about whatever, a book. Boom. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I'll do that. You should be hitting them up all the time. Okay. I, yeah, I know, but I... Not to tell you how to do your job. I'm no, just, I... Just, I'm just telling you how to get free stuff. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I just... Well, you know, I mean, skateboarding, everyone wants to give you stuff, and it's like I, I take Yeah, what if you're I in, need, in skateboarding, you just get whatever. Like, you know, but... And, you know, shoes or, you know... But I always feel bad asking, or people offer, and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I've got, like six pairs of shoes right now i'm good you know thank you i'm super thankful um but and then you go through the slump times <laughs> like, or you uh, go through the weird, couple board? weird things where you don't have a connection like oh i gotta pay for that yeah oh. no uh really how much do shoes cost no yeah can, or socks can, before yeah. everyone made socks uh, before everyone made socks that was rough anyways huge thanks for, for making the trek up and coming in sean uh, no um you guys make sure to follow him on Instagram is that you you or you don't yeah. have to no if you I want to check Instagram okay no I post him. dumb things every once in a while no he posts actually some good things and I think Mickey Vukovic noted on that I would follow Stacy Stacy Peralta don't follow me follow Stacy because okay. he writes rad stuff okay see he doesn't have any of the humility he's talking about either anyways I uh, want to thank uh, Mickey Vukovic Colin McKay Lance Mountain Grant Britton and Steve Caballero for their words and uh, for you for coming in. And for you guys for tuning in. Coming up uh, next week, Christian Nassoy will be in studio in the following Holmes. week. David Rays. Uh, you got to talk. You should get Tony and Holmes together. I've been trying to get Tony to come in. He, he said he wants to. Uh, but those two together are awesome. Okay. Okay. We'll have to um, maybe make that happen. I think he's... Uh, I'll have to reach out to Seth and hopefully keep my fingers crossed or maybe... Yeah, I think he's go going to China. That. So, oh, for uh, yeah, everyone's over there right now, yeah. practicing right now for uh, the vans. Getting ready for the Olympics. Bowl, or whatever, whatever you do in those things. Yeah, no, it's crazy. But uh, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm out.